0: Plus minus. Dang, dang. Oh, what a Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit.
1: Plus minus. That is a word right
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear what you said. What'd for, you for say? For plus minus. Yeah, like you, like Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tells the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um he's well plus respected minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in a season in the NBA this year. Welcome to Warriors Plus Minus. This is your host this week, taking back the mic from Anthony Slater, who is a Laker forever. And I'm joined by Tim Kawakami, the boss, Ethan Strauss, the author and superstar. And fellas, I am now hungry for some chicken wings. Not just any chicken wings, strip club chicken wings. Courtesy of our Chris Kirshner, who went to Magic City, the same place that Lou Williams went to. And now I was doing the 10-day quarantine. So I, let's start the podcast by asking, have you ever had strip club wings? Slater?
2: No, I've had strip club food before. Pizza, actually. But no, I haven't had. And definitely not. The ones that are apparently legendary, these wings.
3: Yeah, I was not aware of this whole thing, phenomenon, but probably because I'm not from the South. I'm not a strip club guy or whatever, but I didn't realize, like... This is known like great food in strip clubs in Atlanta or wherever. Not that I ever knew of, and I've certainly never had. It. I don't. I've never eaten. food I went in a strip to school club. in Atlanta and didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So you say now. So you. No, say I now. didn't.
0: I didn't know. I really didn't. I sure would have went. Magic City is not far from Clark Atlanta. It seems like diner food. Like it's you know it's like all right late night.
3: I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a place you eat food. You pay a cover fee to go in to eat the food. That just seems like an interesting. Like a whole other thing, but I, Ethan's silent, so I guess Ethan's
1: done it several times. No, I was about to call Slater a liar. Slater, all those times on the road, all those places we went. You, you, no, I have not, not eaten. Hey, I admitted Portland has a place that serves like
2: pretty good pepperoni pizza.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. I have not eaten chicken wings at a at a strip club, but it, it makes sense. People got to eat, and this is incredible advertising for Magic oh City. God, yeah, uh, unbelievable advertising. could have set it up better. I tell you the
3: story about, you know, Rendezvous in, in Memphis is one of my favorite. It's, you know, it's touristy, it's famous, but it's great ribs. One of the famous Especially ribs the right lamb dry rub. Oh my God. Right in the middle of Memphis. It's just when we've been there for playoffs, I've gone there many times. And I went there years ago when I was at the Mercury News for a cow trip to the, you know, whatever, early rounds of the tournament. And I'm there, and I turn in my receipt for rendezvous ribs, and I have, having gone there once or twice, and the sports editor of the time says, Rendezvous, I'm not paying for your strip club activities. It's like, Rendezvous, <laughs> is very famous, famous, very famous ribs. Very, like it was in The Firm. It's in the movie The Firm. So there you go. I got hit for, for going to it, trying to put my strip club activities on, on a Mercury News account when it was at a very famous rib joint.
1: This is perfect. So next time when people can travel for games again, and you do your expenses, and it says Magic City, I think at The Athletic, they have to realize that that's a food expense. That's a food expense right there, so it's all in the up and up. Probably
3: already expensed it once. Cursor just destroyed (laughs)
1: travel budgets. Everybody's going to be at the strip club.
0: TK, one of my uh, (laughs) – one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in journalism. TK, I bet you know the guy, but I was working the desk, and – they were trying to get a hold of one of our baseball writers couldn't find him was calling him his story was due no what it was his story was in but there was like a a major question and something happened after his story was in and they needed an update and they were looking for him couldn't find him couldn't find him the office is panicking i'm just a young like high school reporter on the desk right so one guy was like well i know where to find him they called his favorite strip club in San Diego, and he sure enough he was there and corrected the story from the strip. Club. I was like, "What? What?" what? It's like, yeah, he goes, it's, "It's in San Diego, apparently a big strip club spot, probably Point Loma." I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, so we we and found was- Ethan's uh, hot spot. <laughs> way.
3: Ethan, way to go!
1: Are so the chicken wings good there, Ethan? <laughs> <laughs> I I grew up there. I was a kid. I couldn't go, but that was it. Was known that that was uh, kind of around where the Navy yeah, men would yeah. go.
0: Apparently he was a regular there to the point where they knew him and all that. He took the call, updated his story from there. So I'm confused. I was clutching my pearls as a young journalist, like what? One of the people on the desk told me he was like a former beat writer who was on the desk. He said As a beat writer you're gonna get addicted to one of three things cigarettes, coffee, or strippers. Choose wisely. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and you are addicted to coffee. I, I, choose, I chose coffee. I'm like, hey, I chose, I think I chose the all right one from for a family man.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I know who that is, and we shall not name it. Yeah, them, you do. But... <laughs> I know you know who it is. I'm a coffee guy, too. I'll just put it that way. I'm a coffee guy, too.
2: Slater, you don't drink coffee or smoke cigarettes, so... No, I've actually never smoked a cigarette in my life. I used to drink coffee. I do not anymore. I'm more black tea, unsweet, black, iced tea, or... Um, regular hot tea.
3: That's good for the vocal cords. Good for the all those podcasts you do. Keeping that voice strong. One of the uh
0: like revelations about Chris's story is people are mad mad at Lou Williams. Like really? mad mad. Yeah, people are like he you can't believe like the Clipper readers. fans. Yeah, like, I can't believe he let like, he jeopardize everything. The 37
2: Clippers fans are heated. Uh, <laughs> oh, says the Laker oh, guy. Says oh, the Laker oh, guy. Oh, wow. Wow. He's got a point, though. <laughs>
1: Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer, get on a call here. I think Steve Ballmer's paying a bunch of bots to leave these angry comments. This is, uh, yeah, I they're, they're mad, though. Huh? I mean, look, I don't know the circumstances exactly of what was jeopardized and why are they mad what are, what it's, is it well
0: no, some people are just like yo it's irresponsible right like it is irresponsible is, it's the it's the kind of behavior that's going to shut down the bubble apparently in the photo with the rapper you can see strippers with no mask
2: well i would say it is but the nba caught it And he's in quarantine for 10 days. And then if we're talking basketball perspective, it's funny. I'm about to do a Lakers Clippers deep dive with Jovan and Orem. But part of what we're going to talk about is like the Clippers don't necessarily seem to be taking the seeding games that serious. I mean, look, they obviously had a lot of stuff going on, but they have a few guys who missed it because of Corona. And then like three or four of their guys left the bubble for personal reasons, included Lou Williams was out of the bubble because of a funeral, but... You know, as long as he can absorb this 10-day quarantine, he's fine with it. They're going to be in the playoffs. That's the crazy thing about this setup is is the basketball to the contenders don't really start mattering until August 15th, and he'll be out of quarantine way before that.
1: I don't think it's that big a deal.
3: No, it's not big, that big. It's, just a, it's a cultural thing. Hey, let's just be honest about it, uh, where the people who have suspicions about NBA lifestyles or NBA culture or NBA players saw something they could jump on and like yet another example and yet this happens at all sports i hate to inform readers uh or listeners or this is the way young rich people behave often and it's not horrible it's just the way it goes and you know if you can laugh at frat parties have you
1: know spreading the coronavirus or whatever they are this is a similar thing there might be a little resentment because, you know, somebody was texting me and they're asking, "What is it with NBA players and strip clubs? It seems to be a love of it on another level." And it's, well, imagine you went to a strip club and you're the star of the strip club. You know, it's a bit of a different experience than for that old crusty sports reporter. It's a different experience, it's a different level, and I think at some level people also, they intuit that and they get that, and they might they might resent that at a certain, you know, in a certain way.
2: To me, the only way this is a bad story for the NBA is if, if it's hidden and he gets back in the bubble and then an outbreak happens because of it. Then it's a terrible story. But the NBA caught it. And then the other thing, you know, me and Ethan did his podcast yesterday, but it's kind of good for the NBA. It's a little bit of like NBA's back, right? This is a very NBA story. And I think, <laughs> I think just like, just those details. Those, like Lou Williams people,
0: started the off
2: season in, in earnest. <laughs> there's probably a decent amount of people who got wind of this story. And were like, wow, this is crazy. Wait, there's a bubble. The NBA's coming back. Oh, wow. Okay. Wait, Lou Williams is going to miss a game. There's actually a game. So I think that's good.
1: Any publicity is good publicity. Yeah. Well, normally I might say that, ah, oh, this is another NBA thing that's not about basketball and there's too much of this stuff and it needs to be about the games and that's how I'd usually feel about it but in this circumstance where you don't have the other sports happening where maybe baseball has to shut down and it's happening on a schedule that is unusual so it's good to just get those those normies out there spread the word that basketball is is about I actually do I do think it could be good for them just to let people know that that there is a bubble and there is there is sports it's uh it it could work how about what do we think about the NBA
3: bubble now? Looking at baseball's issues, they might have to shut baseball down, right? No bubble, uh, Marlins, half the team now test positive the coronavirus, and it, they they go from city to city and how can the they NFL, play? We don't know. Also, not in a bubble. It looks like the bubble a way to uh, is a way to try this,
1: you know. If you can, I'm very on the one hand. On the other hand, on the one hand. Victory lap for the NBA, oh my god, incredible job, so diligent. Adam Silver really did a good job with the testing, and it's contained, and you look at the chaos in baseball, hooray for the NBA, light years ahead of the other sports. On the other hand... That didn't sound so uh, authentic there, Ethan,
3: but go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, a little it's, bit of a pose, but that's okay.
1: Nah, you know, look, credit where it's due. This is ambitious, and it's been working so far, so credit to the NBA but I wouldn't look at what's happening with baseball's failures and just take away, oh my God, baseball's so incompetent, NBA light years ahead. I would think this is a little scary if you're the NBA because yeah, you need to get the bubble done, but you also need to have a season. And ideally you would want to have it in arenas and have fans. Otherwise, the cost is going to be incalculable and quite punishing. And so it's a good sign as far as the NBA's competence relative to the other sports, but it's a bad sign as far as the ease with which the NBA could have a normal season anytime soon. Yeah, next season. No question.
3: And, and it's scary for everybody. It's scary for all That has major ramifications for the Warriors, by the way. No, yes. We can talk about that. So that's a big issue. Maybe after. we
2: should talk about that right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brian Winters came out with uh, the report that Goldman Sachs and the Warriors are... And from what I've heard since then, yeah, contemplating. there's nothing has been agreed upon or decided, but uh, potentially, I would say going to borrow 250 million with obviously that would come with some extra money going back that way on the back end. What do you guys know about it? What do you guys think about it?
3: I've talked to one or two people about it. They're bracing for next season, as Ethan was talking about. That's the great unknown. That's the black hole. They're going to get through this to get the, you know, the playoffs done on TV. They're not getting any crowds for it, so there's a hit there. They got through the regular season at least. Next season if there's a regular season, complete regular season, complete season without fans, that's a massive massive problem for the NBA. It's a massive problem for any league. Specifically, it's a massive problem for the Warriors. And people got a little mad at me for saying that they would be the hardest hit without fans because yeah, you know, they're a rich team. Obviously, they can take some hits that rich that poorer teams cannot. But if you just look at it, dollar for dollar, they are the team that makes the most from every home game and they're the one who gets most of their revenue from home games because they make so much money of it they're based on this the Chase Center whole proposition is they can afford to pay this huge payroll it's gonna be the highest in the history of the NBA next season almost guaranteed with luxury tax with everything else because they're making so much money every home game if you take that away they're in some trouble they're not in trouble now. They're they're not they got the regular season in, they made all that money. If they're looking at next season without fans in the building, without the suites being occupied, without the surrounding area of Chase Center being built up, without the concerts at Chase Center, they're in some trouble because they have that payroll. Now, the payroll might be adjusted down. All these things are unknown, but what this loan is according to people I talked to and they would know, is bracing for the potential of They've got $190 million payroll, $220 million payroll. They play the games, but they don't have the box office of fans in the building, and they don't have all the surrounding stuff happening around Chase Center. And that is very problematic for them. They need this money, if they get it, in order to make sure it doesn't topple over.
0: That's the big deal. They were banking on the concert revenue and the non-basketball revenue Pouring into the stadium, like the whole point for the stadium where it is, is because Benioff wanted a co- not to go to San Jose, right? That's what <laughs> makes it that's the real cash cow. I still
1: remember Benioff literally <laughs> told Marcus and I that. He literally said that <laughs> I don't have to schlep off to San Jose, right? <laughs> when I want to see Elton John, that's the reason that the Chase Center exists, that's and why.
0: that's <laughs> where the money is. I mean, there's what 60, 70 dates if you make it all the way to the finals in basketball, the other 300 or whatever, 250 dates, that's what they are banking on to fund a lot of this stuff. Not to mention, like, as we've been told, the amount of revenue that comes from tickets is just extraordinarily high for the Warriors, but not being able to throw concerts, to have events, to have the democratic national convention and all the stuff that they were banking on, they're touching their pockets right now, trying to figure out where, you know, where are they going to eat next week? It's rough out here for billionaires.
2: Well, this has been the biggest topic in the organization for months, you know, while across the league everyone was concerned about the bubble, the specifics of the bubble, the league was every time you talked to the Warriors it was next season, next season obviously because this season doesn't matter, they're not in the bubble. But what's interesting is what hurts them now, which is like, oh my gosh, they're missing so much money that they could have been getting is also what makes me feel pretty secure for them long term compared to other franchises that place is gonna make a ton of money whenever it's allowed to open now that might not be till 2022 it is gonna be painful until then but you know i think we all know this organization long term is in a five fine situation so maybe that is why this it's a whole like borrow some money now you know we're gonna make a ton on the back end
3: but what were they doing with the hundreds of millions they made like (laughs) <laughs> well, they're gonna they say that went into building the arena. The Warriors are about as liquid as sandpaper right now is, is what it seems like. <laughs> Slater's right. The reason I can borrow is because they've got a good credit line, because everybody knows it. It's like it's like loaning money to the Raiders to build a stadium in Las Vegas. That thing's gonna make money. That's not an issue. Like if you're I don't wanna be mean but if you're Oklahoma City or you know New Orleans or whoever, watch Maybe, out now, yeah, yeah, hit yeah. them you later. Don't, you don't have those, uh, hey, the, hey, the, the hey. but the Warriors do again. It could, hey, listen, they go two years without fans. Again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if there's no vaccine, we there's n- n- no idea what's going to happen, uh, down the road here, or if it softens, if like people don't want to go to concerts, even if there is a vaccine, there are some issues. This is what I was trying to explain on Twitter yesterday. When you are the team that makes the most money per game, per date, per day, everything, and everything is shut down, your budget's thrown totally off because you're budgeting on that. Again, what we've written was a $3.5 million profit per home date, and that's not even counting the concerts and everything. This is what they're losing if if they have 41 dates, and then we've got to include the playoffs and the preseason. We're talking 50 dates maybe minimum that's 160 million dollars that they're not going to have. That almost covers their payroll. Then everything else they can, you know, turn back in to pay for the debt, to pay for everything else, like TV money, everything. And again, as been pointed out to me, they don't have a great TV deal. As, you know, we pointed out for years and years and years, they just don't have a TV deal that is parallel to their strength in the market. That's their own thing. It's their deal. They cut it. They extended it themselves when Lacob took over the team because he, he got some money back from NBC Sports Bay Area. But you know, Lakers are they're pulling in almost two hundred million dollars a year on their local TV deal. Warriors are probably sixty million right in there. They're you know they're probably top fifteen. They're not top five, and they are a top five, clearly a top five local TV revenue team. So a TV ratings team. So all these things are kind of backloading on them. It doesn't mean they're going bankrupt. But it means that they have to leverage some things. They have to do some things they weren't ready to do. And, and that's going to happen you know, with this loan, probably.
2: I got a question about this loan, then, as we really talk immediate and how they're hurting in the immediate. Do we think this is a loan to help them supplement them spending big on the roster this summer? I mean, because that's the big topics, right? The trade exception, mid-level, the big, you know,
1: high draft pick. Is Goldman Sachs paying for Kelly Ol- Olenek is how Slater framed it? <laughs> is that their acquisition, or are they paying for Steph? Just <laughs> send the check straight. Yeah, I to think Steph.
3: that's a great question, and as I posed to somebody, it's the only question that fans really care about. And the answer is, it gives them the option to. If they didn't do this, they wouldn't have the option to. does doesn't mean they're going to. It doesn't mean they're ready to spend all this money in the world. It doesn't mean they decided not to spend it. What this is about is giving them the option they, they, to keep the optionality. If they, to speak in venture capitalese, it's to like. If they didn't do this, there was no chance they were going to do anything. And they might have to offload somebody. Maybe. you know. Again, we're, talk- we're talking about a one-year picture where we can look into the five-year picture where they- they're not in that much trouble. But next year, they're in some trouble if there are no fans. This money gives them the... Okay, if they really can find somebody for that trade exception, they don't have to say this is going to put us you know into some serious trouble financially. Like, if they got this money to play with... And they, they know that they can get they can pay this loan back in, 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 in the back end. Then they can go get Josh Richardson or Kelly O'Linick or any other people that we've talked about for that trade exception. They can possibly look at paying the six what is it six point two million dollar taxpayer mid level. If they did not do this in their minds i think it would have been a shutdown situation at the very least you don't add money and at at possibly to the extreme you have to start offloading some stuff i think this is the decision that they're not going to go do that and they're going to give themselves the option if it really looks like it's worth it to use some more money
2: what would not look great is if they borrow the money and then don't spend also it could
3: happen we'll have to see and what their argument will be was well look how much we're going to lose next season that's what their argument is going to be like you you want us to spend more money on it we're going to lose x millions of dollars next season because of this payroll that's already going to be well what's it going to be if they do nothing probably i think it's already like they're already
2: committed in mind they already bought
3: 300 million from fans (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right.
3: Not no interest on that one though, no Marcus. Interest, no interest. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they owe a hundred thirty to four players combined. So just you know. to
3: put together the roster beyond that, and that's which is already over the luxury tax, right? So, like, just to put together a roster that is playable from there it's going to be 155 and then you add luxury tax so you're talking about 190.
2: the top picks gonna be making you know i don't know if they'll get one through five wherever they land but that makes money
3: i promise y'all i
0: get it like i promise you i get it but this is the same ownership that has bragged about money and its ability to get money and expenses are never a thing for them like all right i mean i get it it's a pandemic like i got it this is unprecedented but you know (laughs) <laughs> this is where the real money people you know what I'm saying? this is yeah. definitely it's a like, proven right. situation no you question. Know? I mean they've gotten a lot of credit for never letting cost be a problem, it's something they've said all the time, I get it, I'm not saying this is not difficult I'm not the people harassing you on Twitter TK, acting like you can't even mention it because they're rich, but this is where the Warriors are supposed to have a competitive advantage is that Joe Lacob is supposed to be the money guy and money is not a thing and he's willing to, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sure if he emerges from this and they're fine, we'll be there to say he pulled it off. But uh, this is kind of his, his whole cachet was money ain't a thing. His whole thing was, you know, Jay-Z and Jermaine Dupree hanging out the, the vertical, the drop top saying money ain't a thing like that's Joe Lacob. So it can't be a thing now, in a sense.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think his point would be watch, watch, wait and see. Yeah, yeah, no question, yeah. no question. And and it would be, why do you think I'm taking this loan out in the first place? Because loans don't come for free. And this like, is, yeah, I got yeah. the loan. Let's see if yeah. somebody else get this loan. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> I, if I was not into this, I would not have taken the loan out. Because the easiest thing in the world Absolutely. for them to do financially was be not
1: taking the loan out, not put themselves into more debt. Sell and, Draymond yeah. Green or something. Exactly. Like Sell the draft pick. Imagine getting a $250 million loan in a way that's weirder and crazier to wrap my head around than having $250 million. Like the idea of just getting it and that you'll pay it back is just, you know, it's unbelievable. But there's I'm some they didn't I mean, get it from the government. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like the Lakers nearly did yes. earlier. That was an interesting situation as well. But as much as these guys can be publicly stoic or confident we don't know we really don't know we do not know when nba basketball will return and under what conditions it is a big unknown you know will it be 2023 or will it be next season am i about to look on twitter and i'll oh there's the cure okay okay well that's solved i don't know and in that you can have your confidence you can have your plans but it is hard to be all that confident from our perch and everything working out without any kind of information.
0: We'll get back to the show, but first I wanted to let you know of an opportunity to make your business cool, right? Yes, you wanna hear this, check this out. One way to turn it up for your company or business is to advertise in a space that's already lit. And guess what? I got the space for you, Warriors Plus Minus Show. Advertise on this show, your cool points go up dramatically. Now, you already know most of our listeners are in and around the Bay Area, right? So what better way to promote your business than through our show? If you're a Bay Area company, right? You're a Bay Area business, right? We got Bay Area listeners. That's how it works. And you already know they're loyal and engaged, right? And about that life because you are too. So it makes perfect sense. All you have to do is this. Go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads there you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get back to you right away so go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads today and start the process of making your business cool in the words of legendary philosopher and noted theologian kanye west i'm gonna let you finish this episode first i need to tell you about this deal sports are back I know you in it. I know you're watching these NBA scrimmages in the bubble with the intensity of an NBA finals game. I got it. I know you've been into baseball. I know you were watching the WNBA in the Wubble. And of course, you were all over Challenge Cup. You've been on that for for a minute. So in order to honor the return of sports after months of hiatus, The Athletic is offering a 40% discount. You don't want to miss our exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented season in time. We've got it all. We've got game stories. We've got analysis. We've got features. We've got human interest stories. We've got social justice breakdowns and the impact these athletes are making. We've got fun, lighthearted stories. We got a piece about uh, chicken wings in a strip club. You get it all at The Athletic. Trust me on this one, right? So sign up now. Do it soak in the creativity and the storytelling and the analysis and the data and the fun and the gravity you get it all we we give it to you all right so all you got to do is go to com slash warriors plus minus and you can get 40 percent off your annual subscription that's com slash warriors plus minus sports are back how about you join us on this journey you feel me i told you i would let you finish so back to the episode.
2: What do we think about their potential plans to get fans in? I like cuz they have really, like I said for a month talked about oh can we do tests at the door? What if it's 50% capacity? You know, 25% capacity. Do we enter them in different entrances? What is the protocol? All that type of stuff. I mean, obviously you mentioned the suites earlier. I assume they're going to try to, you know, convince him like, "Hey, you can come in the suites."
1: Unless that they can have a test where you know immediately with a little temperature scanner tells you whether you have it immediately. It's just hard to see it in an indoor environment where people are going to be yelling. I mean, that's just unless everybody's wearing an astronaut suit of some kind.
2: Well, some of this may be on the NFL, like what happens with the NFL, because that's Sounds like what the NFL is trying to do. I saw the Ravens were trying to see if they could like get fourteen thousand in their stadium. But I could see the Warriors really trying to promote spaced out suite tickets, you know what I mean? Because like that you can kind of space yourself out in those types of <laughs> Oh environments. my
0: god, they're gonna overcharge for social
3: distancing. <laughs> they're gonna be like, yo, get our package where nobody's touches you. Yeah, I, I can see <laughs> something like that, but I would say it'd be like within your suite, that's your household your households can hang around together together they're in the house together they're in the street now i don't think they want to promote this because it's a little you know not a little bit it's a it's a lot dystopian it's like we're allowed in and the you know anyone else who doesn't isn't a millionaire can't come into this game yeah that i don't know they're, that they're gonna and they charge enough for those tickets already and they're gonna be charging you know whatever the rate for this i can see that happening but it wouldn't it wouldn't affect the atmosphere at all you know you have 700 people in suites doesn't affect the atmosphere of a game. So I just think it's going to be very select. They're going to try some things. They're going to try to talk about getting a third of the arena in, maybe you know, maybe, you know, maybe 5,000, maybe 4,000. I think they'll run into issues. There'll be complications. What if you what if you let 5,000 people in and there's an outbreak after that? You're dead. You're like you just it's a, you can't do that. So I just think they're going to try all these things and until we're at a vaccine moment, they're all going to not work like I just like I just don't think the football thing is going to work either it's just I just don't think you can wait for that moment where if something screws up and you have an outbreak in your community all of a sudden and it's because of a football game I just don't think you want to be in that moment
1: I'm also fascinated by the short term where I want to know how many people are going to watch on Thursday I'm really curious there's so many push-pull factors and Right now, baseball might be exiting the stage, so it might be all basketball, but it's a different environment, and when I look on TV, it looks like I'm watching NBA TV, G League Winter Showcase, or Summer League. I don't know if the public is going to watch that and go, wow, this is cool, or if they're going to go, this doesn't feel like watching big-time basketball, so I am super curious as a TV ratings nerd as to... Is this going to be the big thing in town, and this is going to get monster numbers, or are people going to go, no thanks? I'm, I'm, I can't wait to find out.
2: Product's been good, I think, from the uh, just court product standpoint. And again, this is something else me and Ethan talked about. But players seem to really be taking it serious. And even in the scrimmage game, I don't know. Do you guys see the the Pelicans Bucks game yesterday? Like, it was high intensity, and like Ingram was going yeah, off. That was crazy, yeah. Giannis was like chased down, blocking, and like demanding to come back in the fourth quarter. And like, this was a scrimmage game.
1: It feels a little Olympics It feels a little Olympics ish, you know, where you don't necessarily. And I'm not even talking about basketball, but maybe you're watching a, like the volleyball, right? And so. And there's like 11 just, people in the audience, but it doesn't matter. But you're watching it, and you feel like things are very up close, and. I think that has implications as well to what Tim is saying. The long-term is the big thing, but the short-term success or lack thereof will inform the risks that are taken in the long-term. If the NBA goes, oh my God, we're getting crazy numbers on this. This is insane. I never knew people wanted basketball like this. Then that might buy you a little more time from trying to get people in arenas just to stay financially viable, where if you're making it up on the TV end, you're doing okay. But if it's a situation where the public goes, yeah, this isn't basketball to us, no thanks, that creates a lot of desperation, I think. So this is big.
2: This is a big deal. Well, the sad thing is it might test the public's actual appetite for the game over the stuff we were talking about earlier, kind of the sideshow aspect of the NBA. And I'm a little concerned about the NBA's rise to prominence the last decade or so as far as you know when they got the big tv deal i think a lot of that hinged on the soap opera of the nba need about
3: five free agent rumors to come
0: from
2: the yeah that's all unless let's get it going need to open it up in the bubble like allow trades inside the bubble that would be incredible the one thing is the bubble itself has become like very much a, a, a followed online thing but that's not necessarily translating to like ratings for game nights the games aren't showing the bubble. The games
3: are just the games. So uh, it's a little different. But I, I also one thing I want to point out that, that we're talking about no fans in the arenas next season. That's a worst case, I, I do think. I mean, there's a chance that there's a vaccine. What do they say now? January, February. So we know when that is. That's before the All-Star break. Can anyone see this? You know, start it with no fans, and then by January, February, there's more fans, and possibly to the playoffs where there's full fans. I think what all leagues and all teams have to do—they have to brace for the worst case, and the worst case scenario is no fans at all next season. But I, I think there's a strong sense that there could be fans eventually in the arenas uh, next season. I don't think we're looking at the probability of going all next season without any fans. You have to brace for it. You have to plan for it. But I don't think that's the way it's going to be, if you ask me.
2: My question would be, from date of announced vaccine to we're to the point where it's been put out in public enough where, sure, yeah, you can have 20,000 and Chase enter, why not? How long does that take?
1: 20,000, I'd say that's going to be all the
3: way till next season. But 10,000? 8,000? I think we can see something like that.
1: This is sort of an interjection of some interesting numbers from baseball. Baseball had a big opener, and then it just crashed back down to earth over the weekend. So maybe there's an element of oh the novelty of its back and then it just keeps on you know that that might fade away quicker so that's also and then something they realize it's boring for. as hell. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> this is
3: baseball. Wait a minute, what am I watching it for? You know, get, get back this, on is this KBO? Call. I thought this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, hey, I, I yeah, I'm not somebody who thinks the ratings. Slater's are, over yeah. there, like shut yeah. up,
0: I hate yeah, you. Yeah,
3: pan up interest only lasts so long. And it goes back to natural interest. And there is a natural interest for the NBA. There's a natural interest for the MLB. There's a natural interest for football. But there isn't mean a pent up interest doesn't mean that it's more now than ever. It means, oh, okay, I'll watch a little bit. You know, you watch, even Last Dance,
1: it was 10 episodes. It wasn't 100. ESPN 0.9 rating for Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, that's not that's not good for no sports on TV
2: for months and months and months getting a point nine on Sunday night baseball. <laughs> well, I just think the matchups are gonna matter. You know, to me there's a big difference between Braves Mets on Sunday night baseball and like if they can get Lakers Clippers West Finals, if they can get Lakers Pelicans round one and Zion is playing well. Compared to Lakers, Grizzlies. Like that, that'll affect ratings too.
1: I also think with baseball, I mean, there is a cultural conversation around it that is a factor in a way that I don't think it is for basketball, where there are way more Republican baseball fans. And I do think there is a significant chance that they don't like the foregrounding of BLM and you might see that result in a drop um, and people turning the TVs off. I think that is a problem for baseball in a way that if you just look at who watches basketball and what the political affiliations are i just think there's less of a chance of that for the nba than there is for the mlb so there's also that factor as well
0: so uh, what do you guys think of the the play though do you
3: like what you're saying so i'm surprised the guys the big guys are playing as much in these exhibitions and as playing as hard like i thought it would just be like lolly gag through these who cares Kawhi played like 25 and 30 minutes the last two scrimmage games I think Joe Varden
0: wrote how the Raptors were like pissed at Nurse for taking them out. Exactly. <laughs> were, like,
3: are, them is it ten minute quarters Slater? Is that what it is? I'm kind of c- just confused the first.
2: The first game was ten minute quarters, and then the last two have been twelve. It's been true feeling like and like that Pelicans Bucks game felt yeah, like a, was a really good high level NBA basketball. I, I've been surprised. Like you know, shows
3: that they had some pent up energy. Like I, the guys just want to play, and that's great. I thought it really would be like. NBA exhibition games like get starters play a quarter into the second and they're done right and they're sitting that's on been it. the Lakers yep. Yep. trust or- me I
2: watched I watched <laughs> Lakers Wizards yesterday yeah, with know, no LeBron Davis no, uh what are you jealous that I watched Lakers <laughs> yes, Wizards yes. with no <laughs> LeBron Davis yes <laughs>
3: Marcus and Ethan just got announced that they're now
1: NBA writers and not Bay Area writers, so Next. I don't know why you're even. I would only feel jealous if you also said that you gambled on it successfully. That would be the part that would inspire the. <laughs> I wrote of like my...
2: 800 words on Dion Waiters yesterday. You guys are really jealous <laughs> about this. <laughs> oh, that's that's your
1: groove. That's
3: that's that's right there for you. You got you can write Dion Waiters every time.
1: <laughs> By the way, I don't believe the narrative of Dion Waiters has this value in the playoffs. I'm going to be proven wrong. They're going to play this clip again, but that he has this value because he hits the the bad shots and those bad shots are there in the playoffs i saw lakers fans saying that i saw you weren't really getting behind it when you wrote about it slates but you were talking about people talking about it i saw waiters in that series against the warriors i don't know about all that i don't know all about it did about work that for a possible. game yeah it worked for a game
0: yeah, yeah he had a good game he had a the really problem game. was game seven when <laughs> he
2: thought those same shots were going in <laughs> He actually had a pretty good series against the Spurs right before that warrior series. But um, I think the big thing with waiters, not we don't need to get too deep into it, but he's just provides a need off the bench that the Lakers are missing. And it was Rondo and Rondo's now hurt. And Rondo wasn't even good this season. So they just need a, a a guy when LeBron's off the floor for eight minutes to just hit a couple shots and he's going to go get a couple
3: shots. Enough Lakers, enough Lakers.
2: I do have a warrior story coming this week, right? Target of the week. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that.
3: Let's put that down on the schedule, by the way. Who is it? Who is it?
2: James Wiseman. Oh, there um, you go. Wow. I just, okay. I don't know. We've talked about it enough. I feel like I've put it out enough that I think he's the pick. I'm ready to go full. And it's full like, what are we it. doing,
0: huh, Slater? What are we really talking about here? Thank
1: like, you. What are we
0: talking about here?
1: It's really what the people at Goldman think at this point. That's where I need to check in. Do you guys do you guys like <laughs> Wiseman? Are you in are you into James Wiseman? I mean, you they know? did check
3: in with Joe about David Lee, remember? Like so. They're gonna tap into Wiseman sacks. How
1: about
2: that? That'll be a splash. It'll be a bigger splash than Tyrese health. Burton, <laughs> so you guys saw Bull Bull, right? Mm, you know, that's a guy the Warriors like this, this theory that's a guy the Warriors passed on three times, a big potential name, big talent. Who hasn't played w-
3: in
1: the NBA yet, by the way. I want to point to it, <laughs> but he's coming off of screens looking like Kevin
2: Love shooting the three man. Yeah, uh, it's been yeah. quite unbelievable sometimes you shouldn't pass on the big name or the big guy. And doing kind of pre-research, again, I went back and watched. I mean, there's not a lot. of. It's only 69 minutes. And I think that's one of the things with Bull Bull, because he only played nine games in college and then he dipped out because of a foot injury. He was so unknown. My thing is, I don't understand why there's such strong opinions, and it's not by you guys necessarily, but that Wiseman can't be the pick because people don't like him as a prospect. How do people really even know about him too much as a prospect? He's only played 69 college minutes.
3: Ethan will all cite those AAUs, free throw stats but that's the reason
2: right we can't pick him he can't be good because we don't have any footage
0: of him well how can you
1: say he's bad then i will say the one game against oregon and again you're dealing with small sample size but some some causes of concern 20 college
2: minutes isn't uh, you know small sample size i sent some clips to marcus yesterday because i was watching and if i was judging just off the 69 college minutes which some people seem to be i would be really high on him i mean Like, he had a a cross-court lefty pass to the corner that was like, you don't really often see big men make those type of passes. He hit three really smooth-looking jumpers. And then just the size, the radius on his rebounds are unbelievable. The way he runs the floor. Like, this guy, to me. Hey, that lefty mid-range jumper, I mean, it looked pretty. I'm not saying he would have been like a number one number two prospect in normal years but when i see the other options we're talking about oh tyrese halliburton might be like a 20 minute per game like helpful rotation piece james wiseman to me looks like if he hits his ceiling is an all-star he's built like david robinson that's not
1: bad you know it's not a bad thing in a pick he's a top end talent if this guy has
3: a jump shot and has a motor and won't get into foul trouble i think he's the guy you can look at go this guy could be the best player in this draft you just those are the questions and those are questions about all young big men and you know those are questions about some young and he big has a that a the warriors more have. than
0: others right like he's yeah got to yeah a yeah, yeah
3: he's he's more talented than Damian Jones I mean like and again that was 30th pick so it's, it's very different but like you could see the things that he can do he can stick in the league I love Jaron Jackson with Memphis I mean he's a different player than that but can he be some approximation of that Maybe, you know, like a, a bigger Jaron Jackson, with, you know, maybe hit some threes eventually, battle on the offensive glass, protect the rim. Jaron incre- it would be great on the Warriors. Can Wiseman be something like that? I, I don't know. I'm there with Slater saying, man, if you think so, it might be worth the risk. You better think so. You better really go through it. But yeah, Halliburton, yeah, not Halliburton. I mean, I'd say there's some other players that might have some higher upside than that. But when, you, when you're talking about that type... If you think Wiseman has the motor and can shoot the 20-foot shot, eventually bring it out to 24, he's probably got the best top-end
1: skills in this draft. If I'm making the Slater-type case for Wiseman, I mean, at the very least, he's just going to crush lobs from Steph when Steph gets the. Didn't the, we said that about Damian
3: Jones too? I, I, I yeah, guess, but 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 this guy, moves but this so guy much
2: smoother than Damian Jones. Oh, it's it's night and day
1: i think at the very least he can do that at the very least he can be useful to your offense in the way Javale was right but younger and maybe even more physically imposing he's
2: gonna block shots too he had nine blocks in 69 minutes i know it was against bad competition but he just he's huge he, he has a seven foot six i mean he's rudy he's rudy gobert's size but he's way more built for a 19 year old than rudy gobert was.
1: So I think that that's the argument for him, and the swing skills for him, oddly, we're in this era where we're going, will the seven-footer be able to shoot threes? But I think that's where we are. But the stuff he does on post-ups, I just don't see as much utility for that in the league right now. So, no, there, there is a persuasive case for Wiseman. I was not as impressed by his college games, but it's not a pick where I would go, what are they doing? This is insane. Oh, my God. How could they make? No, I think it's, it's a pick that at the very least would make sense. Right. And I feel that way for probably, I don't know, four or five picks in this draft because it's so hard to know. So there's one
3: problem with the Wiseman pick and I know you shouldn't do this if you're the Warriors. I'm not saying this is a controlled thought, but if you draft Wiseman and he's pretty good, then going to be really hard to play Draymond and Pascal on the floor with him really, really hard. So, you know, you might have to make some adjustments to that. Maybe you end up trading Pascal. Maybe he's just a sixth man. There are some puzzle pieces that don't quite work with what they have right now versus a wing, right? We always say wing, 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 wing. But the wing is important because a wing can play three positions. Can play, you know, big wing can play two, three, and four. And, and Wiseman would be a five. <laughs> yeah, sometimes five. Yeah.
2: I've come to the opinion, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I've come to the opinion that the Warriors should not care about next year when they draft this pick. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't necessarily think they should be drafting, thinking that like. You know, will this guy help for 12 minutes? Like, think about 2024 with this pick. This is the rare middle of a, you know, we can call it a dynasty. Who knows if it's going to continue. But middle of a contending window where you suddenly have a top five pick. Go after who you think is going to be a superstar in 2023, 2024. Do not worry about who might help you for 12 minutes next year. For that, go to free agency. Go to the trade exception. Get your rotation there. Worry for about that, hitting. go
3: to Goldman Sachs. Yeah, <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I think I got to do some of both. On the twelve-minute thing, you're right. No, that's out. That's a Jacob Evans line. I mean, you got that guy at minimum, and Marquise Chris, right? Yeah, you that don't do that, you but you do want someone who can fit with the players that you think are going to help you win a championship. You do have some fit there. Again, I'm not saying total fit. You're not going to find that, but some of this is the blurriness of what Draymond is now, right? I mean, we don't really know. Offensively, he was not a four last year. He was he was a five. And not a good five on offense. So what is he now? I don't think we really know. We'll see what that jump shot is. If Draymond can hit a three or at least threat from the three, at least 30% from three, then you could draft whoever you want to for the five. If he can't, then I'm not sure. You know, I think that does affect the fit for this team if you're thinking you want to win a championship before Steph goes. And it's at some point, you do have to think about that.
0: I think the decision, though, needs to be guided. By what? By David Solomon do. of Goldman Sachs.
1: Wait. Yes. No. Right. <laughs> I, I this is going to be repeated. This is going to be no, his Vertida no, right. thing now, isn't it? it, it, if, 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 it if, David Solomon, if David Solomon calls Joe up and says, actually, it's $300 million, no interest, no collateral, but I want you to take James Wiseman. What do you think Joe says? Killian Hayes is our pick. I think if you're a board directors of directors at Goldman Sachs, you say, uh, you're
3: not making that call, David Solomon. Uh, this is our money, not yours. <laughs> I, I do
0: think that if we guide the conversation about what somebody can do, I, th- I just think the draft conversation tends to focus on what a player, a 19-year-old cannot do as if you know, you're know you waiting for this perfect player to come. So, at some point, the Warriors have to believe they can actually develop somebody. They have to. They have to be able to say, you give me this, I'll get him here. And you're going to have to do that with any player. So why not, Wiseman?
2: I got a stat for small sample size, Ethan. What do you think Wiseman went from the free throw line? in his three college games.
1: I'll go seventy. I'll
2: go yes, seventy. Yes. Nineteen of twenty seven from free throws, which is very it's seventy percent. And he hit a as is already in Tim Kawakami's text message inbox. Three jumpers. He hit three mid-range jumpers, including like a little twenty foot pullback, looked real good. Attempted a three, it looked smooth, he missed it. And you can read and view all of that on the article I'm gonna write, but I actually oh. think, I think there's high upside on the jumper. It looked a little boshy from the left side.
1: It does look a little Especially boshy.
0: That, that little fade mid range. That was definitely.
1: Well, that's boshy. the thing I don't like is that he sometimes fades away for no reason. But he's young. He's also he's 19. Young. I'm good with Weissman. I mean, you know. Killian! 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 <laughs> <laughs> like this is a weird one where i'm just curious
3: with each one because i don't know what I'm, I'm curious about okoro of course i'm curious about ball i'm curious about anthony edwards i'm curious about wiseman like i just don't know avijo whatever i mean i'm curious about him i mean I, i'm curious about all of them because i just don't know i i usually have a semi good feeling about the top of the draft like what we're going to see out of them kind of you know feel like you know these guys zion whatever i just don't know what any of these guys are going to look like in an NBA game next to NBA players. I just don't have any clue.
1: When I talked to the Israeli journalist who was really big on avija and I asked finally at the end of the conversation for a comp, and he said Joe Ingles. At that point, I, I just you know I, I like Joe Ingles, but. Uh, it kind of can't be your number one pick
2: yes that's like at the crux of what i'm talking about with this draft and why i like wiseman well i see wiseman i just there's visions of like an all-star when i see these other guys there's visions of joe angles there's visions of <laughs> you know deon waiters or something james wiseman was born march 31st 2001 can you believe, like 2001 it's crazy these guys are coming into the league like 2000s babies these guys
3: that are going to the G League are like, yeah, two thousand two babies, I think. Right? You know, they're going to play one year in the G League, and they're going to be in the in the NBA next year, and the year after that. This is when you get old, Slater. When you start noticing that, you're you're getting old. This is this is the oh, way this no. happens. <laughs> Even Slater is going to get old. Even
1: Slater. But I, I could go with that. I can I want to read the story. And and Ethan, you're writing a story too, right? Yep. I'm writing a story as well on the uh, the NBA's money situation interesting. It says something about the economy. And after you're done reading my story, you might wanna. I don't know. Hide your money under your mattress is uh is is David at. Solomon of Goldman Sachs quoted in there, Ethan. <laughs> yeah, he said that actually it's Killian Hayes he wants. <laughs> and, uh, new the new Warriors, assistant uh... general manager
3: David Solomon. Of
1: the... And if Killian's not drafted, it's going to be the Goldman Center, not the Chase Center anymore. Oh so, uh, man! Yeah. Oh the man! <laughs> Jesus, this is yeah. This is never. This is Ethan's stop. new thing. This is yeah, Ethan's this is never new thing. Stop.
0: <laughs> i'm here for it ethan <laughs> I'm here marcus for it. you
3: got a story
2: today i don't mean i don't think you do uh no we got editor meetings late podcast this is when i'm gonna dip out this is when I'm... this is
1: like e60 where they yeah, sit around yeah. the table in the black and white <laughs> and i'm trying to like, figure out what the have gonna be like sounds like a good time to rap <laughs> go. i'm gonna reach out to jack harlow is also they am gonna try
0: <laughs> <wants to> talk. <laughs> Oh, wow.
3: You want to go clubbing with him. We're going to see pictures of Ethan out on the
0: town. He's a reader. I hear the He's cheetah a has great lobster mac and cheese. So, yeah. All right, Ethan. <laughs> There's your assignment. <laughs> Thanks for checking us out. We'll see you next week.